Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, the pod named after the fact that you will need to stay up all night to catch the European action. It's episode 138, and this week, Arsenal shit the bed completely, City switch it back on, Chelsea get consecutive wins, as do Wolves, and the King of Egypt, Mo Salah, snags 150 for Liverpool. Back in 2024 to go again. Uh, I'm here with Tommy. How you doing, man? Excellent. You guys glad to have me back? Or uh, yeah, excellent. We we love it. We missed you last week when you were at work or slash taking a break. I can't really remember what was going on, but you weren't here. Oh, that's nice. I thought you guys were gonna give me shit then, but then no, that's good. No, no, we're no, good. I'm unfazed. Yeah, and that lovely voice you're hearing is Cooper. Say hi, Cooper. Hi, Sam. Hey, He's Tom. Unf- good good what, to have you back, mate. What is it? You're unfazed. Whatever. By? Tom being here or not being here. Right. That's a bit mean. I don't, I don't know if we want to start the new year that way, but... He's got um, a fucking photo of peroxide Patrick Bamford behind him, and I didn't have to look at that last week, and that's not an improvement. So seeing Leeds has immediately ruined your mood. Yeah, I'm just turned into a miserable Yorkshire bastard really quickly. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, happy New Year to all our listeners out there. Hope you've had a great holiday period. There's no rest in the football. However, it just keeps coming at us. And therefore, so too will the pods be coming at you. So uh, if you are new or a loyal listener here, go and have a look on our socials. Give us a like, invite your friends, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Tommy, I just want to start with you. I'll give you a bit of a little platform here to talk about Leeds, if you like, because you've had a roller coaster of a week and you spat the absolute dummy about football and you were ready to quit and you said you only watch football because of the pod after after Leeds obliterated Ipswich and then lost to Preston. Um, and then they've had a thumping win again this morning. We were recording on the Tuesday night and you've had another good win. So what, what's the go? Are you following football or not? I'm. Uh, it's kind of like a long-distance relationship with football at the moment. It's like one of those things when they're hitting you up and they're sending pics, you're like, oh, this is good. I'm enjoying this. But when it's like downtime and they want to talk about their feelings and stuff, no, no, not at all. I just, I, I think you hit, you hit a few stages of the season where like you're in a bad patch and you're just like, oh, fuck this. Why do I bother with this? I don't, I've got no interest. It doesn't matter. And you just flip out one night and then, you know, you wake up the next day and you're like, do I really care that much? Why was I such a jerk last night? Yeah, we. I think our listeners are well aware. I've shared with them before your irrationality in the group chat sometimes if leads are playing <laughs> and I'll wake up and they'll just be like sometimes like 20 to 30 messages <laughs> in a row of just spiralling out of control. Um, it doesn't happen that way when you're winning. You, you, a little bit, but not to the same extent. Uh, but I'm I, try, glad- I try and keep I try and keep quiet when, when I'm winning, when we're winning. Yeah. Um, it seems it's more... I don't know. It's just more moralistic, isn't it? Yeah, you don't want to be stuff. a bad winner. I just, I'm just rattled by Tom's comparison there, but of Leeds winning and losing to being in a long distance relationship. Uh, to be honest with you, quote on quote unquote receiving picks and then getting ghosted, and I'm just, are you okay? Like, no. Someone was... told me the someone told me the other night they were like, "You're 30 years old. Grow up. You do not need picks." And I was like, oh, yeah. shit. I think you're right." I end, was going to leave that analogy alone, to be honest with you. It just it, it just reminded me, literally, like, no more than a week ago in the NBA, uh, the Indiana Pacers head coach, Rick Carlisle, made this stupid comment in a press conference because the Pacers have broken NBA records this year for scoring ridiculous amounts of points, but they've also broken records for conceding ridiculous amounts of points. Um, and when he was asked about it, he said that his team's historic offense is fun, but felt the defense had been lacking and then described it by saying being historically great is fun and all, but even dating a pretty girl gets boring after a while. If she can't guard anyone. <laughs> I don't have any comment to add to that. <laughs> I don't understand how do you feel about that. Um, let's go back to football. Cooper, I was with you Saturday night. Uh, you know, we went to Melbourne for the Adelaide United game. We'll record a red edition after this, of course. So keep an eye on your feed for that. Um, but you got a look at an old firm. I'm sure it's not the first old firm you've watched, but uh, I was wondering what your your thoughts on on the old firm were after that two hours of kind of mayhem. Yeah, it was fucking dog shit, but. 
brilliant all at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if that's what old firms just are or not. Uh, Absolutely. The football was horrendous. I saw some the of quality. the worst football that's that I, I'd seen played this season. Um, yeah. Probably from both teams. I think that was what what made it so bad. Um, and I was introduced to an an Irish centre back called Liam Scales. He's Scottish, who, I believe, isn't he? Uh, Irish, according to Irish? Wikipedia. Nah, yep. Same shit, isn't it, Sammy? Um, yeah, I don't think it really matters. But uh, he Steady sucked. Steady on. He sucked. Liam um, Scales. Really, really bad, Liam Scales. He just like, there was this one play where he was the left-sided centre-back and they'd gone down his side and attacked and he wasn't there and they put a cross in and my assumption was that he was covering a player at the back post so he'd be there to clear the header, but then he wasn't there either and then he randomly just appeared on the screen from nowhere and turned the ball over (laughs) but then also didn't run back into his position and just let Rangers come through the exact spot that he should have been in again and it was just bizarre to watch. It was a game that had, um, like, the quality was horrible mostly, but was very entertaining, very end-to-end, but also had some unreal moments. Like, the Kyogo goal for Celtic was pure class. Uh, Drop of the shoulder to shimmy wide and then hit it top corner. Uh, James Tavernier's free kick was incredible. Uh, James Tavernier from Rangers, someone I've spoken about being, I don't know how he's still... Well, he's never gotten a gig in the Premier League. Uh, the same with Callum McGregor from Celtic. The, he was probably man of the match, took the piss. We had a bloke out there. Matt Riley was running around. Uh, O'Reilly was running out there with a broken nose or he just his face had been hammered in a couple of times and he was bleeding everywhere. But all in all, good footy. You love it. Can't all be world-class, can we? No, no you're talking you, to the guy that watches the championship every week. You can, I think we discovered on the weekend you can either be world-class or you can be Scottish. Brilliant. That's an, un, an un, another unnecessary dig at Scottish football, but they're used to it by now, or they should be used to it. Let's talk some Premier League. I want to talk fantasy first. Uh, the top five in this league. Where are we, Tommy? We're down in 33rd, our team. Not doing so great. Yeah, it's not um, relegation. We're very Brentford. Yeah, it's it's not relegation because there's so many teams. Uh, we're mid-table champo is what we are. Um, top five at the moment, though, it's it's heating up very nicely. We've got a bunch of teams in the 1100s at the moment, but the top five, our mate from Heaps About Nothing, Todd, Toddy Stans, Todd's Flogs are up there. Jared Presbury, West Ham fan, his team Wooden Spooners are fourth. James Davies, Chicken Ticker Mo Salah has dropped off the ball a bit. He's down to third. It's the lowest I think I've seen him. He was the lowest scorer of the top five this week with a 69. <laughs> Get think- your giggles out of the way. <laughs> well, Do I think you think what? it coincides with Salah's drop off? Uh, no, no, Salah was the no. highest scoring fantasy player in this round. So. Yeah, interesting yeah, take. The, pre- um, the previous month, he was not very great. Maybe he dropped down this week. So just stay out of it, mate. All right. You just worry about Champo. <laughs> you, just, uh, you just manage the team. Lockie McGregor's Haven't Yot a Clue are in second now. I don't mind that one. Haven't Yot a Clue? Diego, Diego Jota. Yeah. Uh, and Isaiah's Bus. Other leaders with 1,192 points. I've got a feeling the top score this week was, it wasn't you, Cooper, so don't worry about it. It was a, I believe it was Ryan yeah, Mitchell. You were, you were missing in that top five, Coop. What's going on? I'm coming. I'm up to seventh. It's the highest I've been all season. Brilliant. Here he comes. He's timing his run into the box is what he's doing. I can't find it now, but I'm pretty sure it was Ryan Mitchell. Uh, Arteta's army with 89 points. Arteta's going to need an army soon if performances keep going the way they're going. Let's talk Premier League football, shall we? We're going to go right back to last week. There was a game week kind of in progress already when we recorded last week. So if you want to go back and hear about uh, United beating Villa at home, which you probably don't, or or Forest beating Newcastle 3-1. You can do that. It's on last week's episode. Go back and have a sus. We'll pick it up halfway through the round last week, Thursday the 28th of December. Brentford losing at home 4-1 to Wolves. Uh, I think we'll probably, we'll probably discuss Wolves and Brentford a little bit later on with their other games. Uh, similarly with Chelsea and Crystal Palace. Chelsea sneaking over the line with an 89th-minute penalty. Um City beat Everton 3-1, and if he start, had us getting our hopes up. I think a lot of us are in the camp of wanting City to keep dropping points, even though you're not in the title race, Tommy. You still want City to lose, don't you? I'm not really phased, to be honest with you. Uh, that's a lie. That is a lie. Um, because when they inevitably win, 
you'll say, oh, who cares? It's just, uh, uh, oil, you know? So <laughs> you'll pick and choose when to have that fight. No worries. Um, it brings us to the Friday morning games, Brighton 4, Spurs 2. It was probably the pick of the, the games from this round. Brighton were pretty ruthless. Jar Pedro's quality, um, Spurs just, they lacked a bit of edge and fight in this one. Yeah, um, four, game, hey? yeah, four fullbacks across the back four for Ange. Obviously, uh, more selection issues again. He finally got Christian Romero back, and now he's lost him again for what seems four to six weeks. Uh, pretty poor timing for Spurs. They seem to just have gotten back on the wagon a little bit, so I'm not sure if they'll struggle, especially losing Son now to the Asian Cup, as well as not having a fit centre-back. Could make for a rocky month for them. I'm really, really enjoying. Um, look, Spurs will probably get to because they they did win against Bournemouth. It was a good win. Yep. Um, I'm really enjoying Brighton constantly playing midfielders out of position at fullback. We've talked about it this season. Pascal Gross was one. Uh, I mean, James Milner. I mean, you could say yeah, he's probably a fullback now, given his his age and his tiring legs. But this guy, I mean, I refuse to believe Jack Hinshelwood is an actual footballer. And where's he popped up from right back to score a goal in this? Ridiculous. Where they keep they just keep regenning these guys to play fullback. I don't know if they're too pleased about it, to be honest with you. I, I think <laughs> their position in the table would maybe reflect that. Um well they're they're eighth, but I mean their their results haven't been as good as we've seen from Brighton in the last season or two. Um I don't think they're thrilled about having to play guys out of position to play fullback. No, nor would you be, but I don't know Brighton too deeply. Where are their fullbacks? Maybe just go out and sign one of them. You have a multitude of wealth you're sitting on because of all the sales you've had previously. I don't understand. Just go go get Reese James. Go get Reese James. We got a couple here in Adelaide they can have if they want them. Um, hey. Yeah, uh, my favourite Jack Hinchelwood moment in this game was him getting this goal, being his third goal for Brighton this campaign after obviously making a senior debut this season, but within the year of 2023 means that Anthony now ends 2023 with less goals than 18-year-old right-back Jack Hinchelwood. He ends the season with less goals than, like, a vast, vast array of players that should not have more goals than him. What it means is that he ends the year 2023 with less goals than an 18-year-old right-back that only played half of the year. Exciting. You can pick and choose whatever players you want and compare them to Anthony. What a dud of a man. You mentioned uh, Jao Pedro earlier. He yeah. scored uh, seven penalties. Yeah. Which is just outrageous. One, why do Brian get so many penalties? And two, maybe we should increase the XG on he, what you um, get for a penalty shot. This guy's nuts. Why isn't, an, why isn't a penalty XG just like one? It should be one, right? Sh- should it? I don't know. XG can get in the bin. I hate it. Uh, but Jao Pedro, he scores a lot of penalties, but he's just so quality on the ball. Sets a lot up for them too. Uh, provides so much run and drive. Powerful striker. Um, hey, we're uh, watching. Sorry, go on. Just quickly for the, for the listeners and for Tom in particular, if you want to turn your season around, a really good fantasy selection um, to bring in this week with Karen Matoma going to the Asian Cup. What, Jao Pedro? Jao Pedro probably means a lot more minutes and a lot more Premier League starts with Matoma gone. Interesting, interesting. Got a lot of money in the bank. Don't really need to waste it on differentials. I don't know why you're talking to this guy about our fantasy team. He's done nothing with it all year. Um, we were watching a trivia thing, one of those, uh, like, pr- we are watching these Premier League trivia videos from when COVID was on, mm. putting together, like, pub quiz things you could do at home. And there was a question about who had scored the most penalties in a Premier League season. Do you reckon you've got any idea who it might be and how many? Um, shit, I have no idea. You'll never get it. I ben did Percy. the quiz and I don't even remember. Uh, no, it was Andy Johnson for Crystal Palace who one year scored, I think it was 11 was the total, but I know it was Andy Johnson for Crystal Palace. I can't even remember Andy Johnson. I would have uh, said a bald, Palace player. Bald bloke, old fella. That, who was the, they had like that um, Balkan midfielder. Uh, Milivojevic. Um, Luka Milivojevic. Yeah, yes. he took that pens. He, he took lots. Never scored 11 in a season though, I don't think. Um, otherwise, he would have been the answer to that question. Uh, Cooper, you were with me to watch Arsenal v West Ham, 2-0 at the Emirates. Um, I've got a lot to say about this, but I don't know how to do it without sounding really salty, even though everything I want to say, you'll probably agree with. Yeah, um, 
Arsenal are going to roost some, some missed chances in this. Uh, I, I remember saying to you at the end of the game that this gave me Liverpool versus Man United vibes in a sense that you'd had 30 shots on goal, but I didn't really necessarily feel like there was a clear-cut opportunity where you, whoever yeah. missed the chance had to score. Yeah. Um, the West Ham low block we spoke about during the game, it's ugly and I hate watching it and I hate West Ham and David Moyes <laughs> for it, but it is it is the best low block that I've seen in the Premier League in a long time because there was four defenders plus two defensive midfielders within the width of the 18-yard box at all times and it was just impossible to break it down. It's, it's an expertly, you ask me. Yeah, it's an expertly 90s Italian block set up there um that just it's just not i don't think it's sustainable football to play um when you consider they scored you know they score from the zinchenko fuck up and then the ball is like maybe it's out maybe it's not whatever there's a little bit of luck that goes their way they get the mavropanos header um which you know i was sounding really salty now but those are real like 50 50 like or, or not even like what's the xg on a chance like that um it, it catches the bar and goes in, but they're the sort of things that you need You need a bit of luck going for you for those to go in. And then Arsenal, alternatively, alternatively, as much as they didn't create anything super clear, they did probably create enough in that game and just got a bit unlucky with the post and some of the saves. Um, mm. I know, like, Arsenal, from an Arsenal perspective, they just need to play better and make sure they get the goals, but it's, it's a frustrating watch. And I don't know how... I've I've spoken to a few West Ham fans, and I don't think... They're enjoying getting the results, but I don't think they're, they. I think they also know that this is not something that can can last. If you don't get the you luck going your way in these games, it's not going to hold. You don't reckon? Because I like number one. I thought the Hazel's back post header was a really really good chance, and that may be the only one. But that like he should have buried that. They've won half of their games this season, West Ham, mm. and so when when you talk about sustainability, if they could do that again, they replicate that in the back half of the season. I mean, they're going to finish in European spots. Yeah, I don't. Maybe. I don't see where the. I think, I think they've just been. They've had a bit of luck. Like they've been efficient in front of goal, um, to a point where I I don't know how much that can possibly continue if you don't get any luck on your side, and then the low like the low block, how long how long can that hold up for? The low block's effective because they have um, like equipped attackers. I mean, Jared Bowen's having a, a breakout. What? Not well. It's not really a breakout season, is it? Because he's been quite good the last few. But he is consistently maintaining a goal return. Uh, Kudus looks excellent. And so if you've got those two, yeah, if you've got those two guys that can consistently put the ball in the back of the net, I think you're going to do quite well. I've flip flopped on West Ham this season. I'd really liked them to begin with. They went through a sour patch, and then I just kind of gave up on them. But the resurgence into sixth spot at the moment is, um, I think it's testament to what Moyes is trying to do, and. I, I wouldn't say it's unsustainable. In any I, don't, way. I don't think it lasts, but... The, the next five games for West Ham are Brighton, Sheffield United, an informed Bournemouth, Man United mm. at Old Trafford, and then they'll play Arsenal again at the Olympic Stadium. Now, if they are still in the top eight to ten teams by the end of this run, then I'll apologise for all the shit that I've talked about them because <laughs> they are about to be Mohamed Kudus-less for the next six weeks as he goes True. to AFCON with True. Ghana. And that's going to put a mega weight load on Jared Bowen or for guys like Antonio coming back from injury and that that have been on their bench and, and public finals and whatnot to find some form. And just quite frankly, I don't think that those players are good enough to have the form to do what... Kudus and Bowen have done so consistently mm. for them. And all the times that Bowen's been off, Kudus has been at it. And when Kudus has been off, Bowen's been at it. And they've been excellent when they've both been at it. But I agree with Sam. It's not it's not sustainable because if either of one of these guys has a form slump or Bowen has a form slump while Kudus is gone, they're in huge trouble. And there's three yeah. or four losable games in that stretch of fixtures. But yeah, for, for sure. I, I for the sake points. of the argument, for the sake of the argument, Tommy, if this was we mm. We, you and I both whinged endlessly about Burnley attempting this sort of football under dice for years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they were more—they were more butchers. I would feel. I don't feel like West Ham go out with like a criminal intent to <laughs> injure an opposition to win a game. <laughs> criminal intent. They have the yeah. bus. They have the bus. They had the bus parked though. Oh, the bus is parked. They played with six defenders essentially. Like it's crazy to me that Suchek is a did. midfielder. I'm saying yeah, Burnley did too. Where do where do West Ham go if if one of the big dogs comes in for Jared Bowen in January? 
or where to, if this works till the end of this season, where to West Ham go next season? If Bowen leaves in the summer, maybe Kudus leaves in the summer. And then you've got five of the potentially worst form Premier League sides that we've seen. We've spoken about how weak that bottom five is in this league this season. Three of them are gone and you lose one or two of your best players that have scored all your goals. Where do you go from them? I think sustainability goes beyond this season and and it's all yep. well and good to finish ninth this year. But like we've seen, we've seen Sheffield United finish eighth before and be relegated in dead last the season after. It, it's a it's a long ball game, the Premier League. And I think sometimes teams get too caught up worrying about the now and, and not wondering about how sustainable the football they're playing is for the future. Yeah, no, that's I think that's a really, really good point. Um, I like what they do, West Ham, in the offseason, though. Like picking up someone like Ward Prowse this season was really good for them. Uh, having someone like Paqueta come in, really good signing. Bowen, again, if they can make that one really key signing every season, I think they may have enough about them in order to survive. They probably won't stay top 10 next season, uh, especially, I guess it's different because you look at the quality that will come up from the Champo, like Southampton and Leicester look pretty much locked. Um, and they are, you know, established Premier League sides. So once they get back into this league, it's going to be very different to having Luton or fucking Sheffield United come up. So next season, you'll probably see a much more competitive relegation battle. But I still don't think West Ham will be near enough to it, given you look at the fortunes of Brentford at the moment, Palace. Uh, Forrest, you know, they look a little bit turned around under Nuno, but that's not never going to last. He started really well at Spurs before he got sacked after two months. So it's it, it's interesting question. Um, I just think for this season especially, they should be good enough to finish top 10. Um, whether or not they extend Moyes' contract, they might pull out a Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth and they might sack him and bring in, you know, a more tactically astute, attacking, football-minded uh, Areola, potentially. One of our listeners messaged and said that it's unreal that um, given what Moyes has done with West Ham results-wise, that there is more talk than ever about whether he should have the job from <laughs> their own fans. It's it's incredible. Um, we'll move it on to the Saturday night games, Cooper. We were watching the old firm at this point, but we also had had the laptop out watching Chelsea and Luton. Um, six points is six points for for Potts right now, isn't it? As far as he's concerned, we'll just take it. Yeah, I mean, I think so. They'll be they would have been a bit concerned with how this game finished, but I think they would have just been happy to get out of there with a win. Yeah. Um, Jesus, we were as for as much shit that I've rooted on Luton this season. We were sitting there praying for a third goal in the last <laughs> ten minutes of this they, game. They were really <laughs> unlucky. It, it nearly came. They had some chances. Um, some offsides, some posts, some crossbars. Yeah, and a phenomenal save from Jordan Petrovic as well, who was yeah. who was pretty good for Chelsea in the second half of this game, especially. Where do they keep getting these keepers from? I'm so confused with their depth of goalkeeper right now. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. It's another, yeah, it's just interesting to me. What do you um, mean? I mean, they... Cooper, you're here to Google that stuff. This yeah, is your job. Yeah, that's, just... that's why I asked you. <laughs> yeah, well, someone has to kill the, you know, I get the phone up and I Google, someone has to kill the the 30 seconds of silence while I get there. Let me kill some time. New no, sign him from Revolution. New England Revolution. Yeah, he's Serbian. There you go. Which is not, that's not a real club, right? Real New England Revolution. New England Revolution. Oh, New England Revolution. Yeah. Boston. They play at the New England Patriots ground, I think. Is that the Todd Bowley effect there? Signing the the MLS keeper that has no prior form? You tell me. You tell me, man. (laughs) Google it. Google it. Go on. Uh, We'll keep it moving. Villa beat Burnley 3-2. It might have been one of the most exciting games of the round, but unfortunately, I I didn't have an eye on it. I don't know if either of you did, but... um, what makes you assume that? Uh, what makes me assume that is that it was... The goals? No, was, it was... A, there was goals, there was cards, there was a penalty. Half past three in the morning and I was sleeping, getting ready to drive back to Adelaide in four hours' time. So Yeah, we, we weren't have, in a state for that one. Didn't nor, catch much of this. Nor were we for City and Sheffield, a 2-0 result to City. That just kind of uh, looks like they may have just got the wins they needed to get a little bit of form back, pumping Everton and then... And then Sheffield, job done. Wolves beat Everton 3-0. Uh, I feel like we need to talk about them because Wolves, I feel like they're getting more of the points that they deserve for their football. Uh, it appears Everton's form run has come to an end with consecutive losses. Um, 
you could probably forgive the City defeat, but Wolves are a side they would have been hoping to get by based on recent form for both clubs. And then in just in the last couple of weeks, Wolves have started clicking really nicely and scoring goals too. That's seven in seven goals in a week, just conceding the one against against lower sides like Everton and Brentford. But that's that's their position on the table as well. Yeah, that's it. You make bread from what you can get. And that's what Wolves are doing really well. And that's probably why they are marooned. Uh, in the 10th, 11th position at the moment. They are definitely better than, you know, the six or seven sides below them. They're obviously not competitive enough to, you know, consistently knock off Man City or, you know, the other big scalps they've taken this season. Um, but I still really, I really enjoy what they're doing. I think they're playing, like, they're not always playing the most fluent, vibrant attacking football. But I think in terms of teams that are managing games the best outside of West Ham, I think Wolves are definitely second uh, behind them. They're probably not as good as Bournemouth. They're definitely better than Fulham. And so I don't really see, like, what do you mean when you say the results aren't, it's not like a testament to their position on the table. Do you think they should be lower down? Who? How do you mean? Like you said just before that Wolves, they're, you know, they're getting results at the moment, but it's not really, it's not really akin to to what they deserve in a sense. No, I'm saying like they're getting, they've gotten They've gotten results against two sides that when you look at the table, they would they would probably hope they're going to get those results. But they haven't so far this season. They've been so up and down. And this, oh, okay. these, are the, yeah. these are the sort of the games I think they would be expecting to win and win well. And they, they are now. And I like seeing it. They play good yeah. football. I like watching no, them. No, definitely, they definitely do. And they kept evidence of zero shots on target in this game. So yeah. it's a comprehensive beating. Uh, you know, Huang is such a fucking brilliant footballer. And if Three you haven't watched Wolf, Three wins in a row. If you haven't watched Wolves this season, just him alone, Matthias Cunha, like yep. these guys, the way that they link up, uh, that they're brilliant footballers. And it's again, it's it's testament to uh like the financial brevity of the Premier League at the moment, in that these lower size, Wolves, Bournemouth, etc., can bring in like top quality players and be able to compete in this in this kind of manner. Yeah, definitely. Could be going anything on Wolves or Everton. Just quickly um on Wolves and talking about Huang. It's obviously a big month for a lot of players going off to represent their country uh, at the international, at the continental championship levels with with Afcon and the and the AFC Asian Cup. Uh, Ooh, we lost him there, and we'll go to the Asian Cup with South Korea now. And this Wolves next quarter, do we? Yeah, no, you're back. We got you. I'm back. Yeah, Carry so Huang He Huang He Chan will go to. The AFC Asian Cup with South Korea and Miss Wolves, uh, four to five next games. And so obviously there's a big list of players that are going to be gone during these games. But I reckon the more important list is the list of guys who this becomes a really big month for because they need to step up and find the form to replace the guys that are leaving. Um, and I think Pedro Neto is one of the guys right at the top of this list. He has been so disappointing for Wolves this season. 11 appearances for them so far this season, 10 starts, only one off the bench, and only one score involvement for Wolves. So he has a lot of work to do and a lot of form to find to replace what Huang Hee Chan has been delivering for them. Yeah, Good 100. Stuff. I mean, it's probably telling as well in this game that you know two of the goals came from their back three. And so there, there's a definite direct line to goal that they try and without this kind of creative flair that they might come unstuck for sure. Um, Forest beat United 2-1 to get a second, I believe that's two wins in a row for Forest. They beat Newcastle. I can't remember their last one. Yeah, two losses and then two wins in their last four games. Um, I've just got in my notes here that United are a joke. I don't really know what else to say about that. I guess credit to Forest, two big wins for them, two much needed wins for Forest in the last week. But um, United at home, they would have been licking their lips after this one. The funniest thing I saw this was uh, pre-game, like the Forest lads are all in a huddle. They're getting an almighty G up from Gibbs White. And like, he's giving it the old, look at their faces, fellas. I don't want to be here. And there's like, it's almost as if it's like Kubrick shot him, shot this himself. The camera pans back and away <laughs> to just a thoroughly disinterested Christian Eriksen, hands on hips, looking glumly forward with like this weird deadness in his eyes. And you're like, holy shit, they're, they're spot on. There's not a single Man United player out there that really gives a fuck right now. Yeah, it feels that way at times. Um, I just wanted to ask if either of you saw Anthony Alanga crying his eyes out after this game like an absolute little <laughs> fucking baby. And maybe that's Wait, the, uh, boys are allowed to cry, man. Come on. Maybe, maybe that's the uh, 
the Man United culture still instilled a little bit in Alanga coming out after this one, um, hugging his manager, having a cry, and then and then asked a manager asked about it in an interview said that Anthony had spoken to him during the week about how important it was for him to a, a bit of a redemption arc for say for him to win be a part of a team that won this game because of the emotional and mental damage Manchester United did to him by choosing oh, players <laughs> by choosing massive. players like. Anthony and, and Martial over him and choosing to move Alanga on during the Huge. summer. Alanga is uh, clearly, I think, a better footballer than Anthony and Martial, probably combined. I think, yeah, combined when you look, when he's got four goals, six assists this season, um, that may be more than United's entire front line. So they've I, definitely moved on the wrong guy. Yeah. I can't remember if I whinged about this last week, but... I, I've winced about it to both of you, definitely. I don't know if on the pot or not. About remember when Martial scored that debut goal for United and all the, the comparisons to Henri coming oh, out yeah. and like and I just sat and waited. I was like, oh, just wait. This is not it's not gonna happen. You just watch. And now look, it's it's an absolute insult to Thierry Henry that this guy was ever compared with him. It's an absolute disgrace. This is this is what the English media tend to do with it's it's usually English players, but I do think the English media has a way of doing this yeah. and, and glazing Man United in a sense. Um, when Martial signed for Manchester United, it was as as the song says, fifty million down the drain is what the English press had to say about him. And then two weeks later, he scored on debut and he was being compared by these same outlets by the same news outlets and these same sports journalists as the next Thierry Henry and the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, and all that happened within 14 days. Um, Roy Keane said on, I'm going to butcher this again. I can't remember what the name of that podcast I've put you onto is Sam. Uh, stick to football. Three, um, stick to, three stick dickheads football. and a microphone. Um, so, so Roy Keane said on stick to football, when they were going through, Sam brought this up the other week, they went through the whole Manchester United squad and are we keeping, are we ditching? Are they on their last chance? And Roy Keane said that, Marcus Rashford is on his last chance and the only reason he's not gone already is because he's English. And I'm not sure if it's because he's English or if it's because he's a Manchester United player and because he has so many runs on the board because of how much media attention and and glazing they get from the media and their own supporters when they do one or two really good things early on on their career and they're just the the mediocrity that follows is sometimes accepted and that's that's not what the Manchester United of old was but perhaps that's what it's become. Right. Yeah. Maybe so. Um. The fans will buy into it too. I think fans gobble it up and I guess that's why these this stuff becomes so popular in the social media world as well. It just gets all gobbled up. Um, yeah. If I, I want to go back. Why did you call Alanga a baby? <laughs> just, I don't know, man. Just hold it we in. Spent, a, we spent a, a whole the- pod <laughs> defending Nestor Irakunda and Musatore from people <laughs> attacking them for crying and then you just come out and call Alanga a baby after he has a bit of an emotional outpouring after playing a, a great game against a club who who flicked him to keep shitter players. Come on. Come on, man. Be better. Just have a look in the mirror. Reflect. Um, moving it on. Here we go. Ah, oh, fuck. Fulham 2, Arsenal 1. I've just got written here. Pathetic from Arsenal. Um, I'll just keep, keep coming, eh? I'll cross to one of you in a sec, but I've just... I talked the other week about the result at Anfield um, getting away. They got a bit lucky, but got away with a draw in the end. And talking about how that's the sort of game in the past, as Arsenal fans, you're so pessimistic and you're worried that you're just going to get bullied and absolutely played off the park in these games. But they don't do that anymore. They look tough and they look ready for the battle and ready for the fight. Obviously, they have the loss against West Ham where I think they did they played fairly well. Um, but then we have this game where they play... Fulham, they go 1-0 up early and just fall to bits. All that toughness is gone. They looked absolutely pathetic. Eddie and Ketia, a complete passenger. I don't understand how he starts if Gabriel is fit. Uh, is if, if it's a case that Gabriel cannot run out games because he played a few days ago, and this guy, we know this guy's always um, riddled with injuries. If he can't play two games in a row because there's midweek games and then a weekend game, what are we doing? Like, why, yeah, but- why is he there? How many goals does Jesus actually score? Like uh, it there was a good, it doesn't matter. There's yeah. a good stat. There was a good stat that come up during the week. Front three goals combined. I know. And you look at Salah, Jota, Nunes, twenty four. 
between Martinelli, Saka, Jesus, it's 12 goals this season. You don't have a goal scorer with more than five. I know. I still think Gabby Jesus is way too important to this team to not have him in there. He His link up and his work with everyone else is what does create goals. And when he's not there, it's so obvious. And Arsenal are playing a man down, essentially, with Enkedia standing there as a passenger, just waiting for the chance to get a tap in. He he offers nothing else. He's a wasted player out there. Martinelli is now probably, like, Arteta's stuck in this position now where he doesn't he hasn't gotten any depth um, in the wide areas or refuses to use guys like Smith-Rowe or Reese Nelson, who, to be honest, Nelson weird. probably now is like 24-ish, mm-hmm. 25, maybe not up to scratch if he's still not starting. Um, but these guys are like, they're not getting game time. Which means Martinelli is now playing out of form. I think Saka is still playing well, and but perhaps without some luck on his side as well. Uh, he's still carrying a lot of the burden in attack. But Martinelli probably needs a rest and needs needs someone else to come in and lift some pressure off him. But they don't have anyone. And you then not up think front, Smith throws up for it. I think he might be, but he's just so out of sharpness because Arteta has not rotated these guys. Mm-hmm. They've played every game. It's, you've almost got a you've almost Martinelli got a curse. played every game. You've got like a curse of full fitness in a way because like Arsenal are one of the only teams and, you know, Man City maybe to a lesser extent that don't really carry as many injuries as the other guys around them. And so you can consistently put out this lineup, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't uh, think it's a curse because the depth isn't good enough, I don't think, yeah, in the other areas of the pitch. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I thought the Mart- Martinelli assist was quite good um, to begin with. I don't know why they're letting him advance into the box like that to be yeah. able to deliver to Saka, but... Nonetheless, like you can see glimpses of his quality, but he hasn't delivered it consistently this season. No, he hasn't. Yeah, I'm just on the stat that you mentioned at the start there about goals in the front three. Obviously, score involvements and goals not the same thing. But after Saka's goal on the weekend, Gabriel Martinelli and Bukayo Saka now only have a total of four score involvements this season in the Premier League when Gabriel Jesus is not on the pitch. And oh, I think that shows call. how important Gabriel Jesus yeah. being there is to the rest of that front three. I think Eddie and Kedia and the way he plays. I'm not saying that Eddie and it's Kedia the Firmino Liverpool thing. It, it really is. I'm not saying that Eddie and Kedia couldn't be a a formidable and, and a well used Premier League striker in, in another team in another system. But his existence hurt and his presence hurts Saka and Martinelli so much, given the way that they're able to play and link up, especially with Martin Erdegaard coming towards the front three when Jesus is there. Um, but I agree with you. And I just wonder, um, you actually brought it up and, and I did go back and have a look, Sam, that the Liverpool draw reminded you of the draw that Arsenal got at the Eddie had against Man City. Um, I think it was the Eddie had, you said, last season, got the draw at the Eddie had against Man City. I uh, can't remember, but yeah. One off, anyway. got a draw either a home or away against Man City. Um, and I've gone back and had a look, and Arsenal dropped points in back to back games after that draw against Manchester City last season. And I just oh, wonder the last few weeks we've spoken about this team is so young still. And we spoke, you know, Liverpool were competitive at this level for three or four years before they really managed to push Man City for a title and and, and managed to go and take one off them. Um I just wonder if that's the phase we're in with Arsenal. The maturity is growing, but for guys like that are this young and how much it means to them all, the this Man City game last season and now this Liverpool draw because it was a top-of-the-table clash halfway through the season was really like a grand final for these guys. They built themselves up so hard for this one, managed to get yep. the point, but then it's, it just conquers your energy for the next two games and and part of maturing is realizing that it doesn't matter who you're playing in this league across 38 games every game is a game and you have to get a result in all of them so you can't afford to throw everything into that one because it's pointless if you then go and drop points like they have in the next two yeah i think from an arsenal perspective i noticed um i tend to ignore that stupid shit but arteta out is trending on on x but I, I think like their window <laughs> is you bring in <laughs> from an Arsenal perspective. If you're just trying to like keep a keep a level head about this, the the expectation is high because of last year's outlier season. I think when in reality this window, the window like the the title winning window for Arsenal, I think is open for a long time at the moment. Mm, given true. the age of this squad, and they're still quite young. You know, Gabriel's got years in him. Saliba obviously has years in him. Declan Rice, Erdegaard, Erdegaard is the club captain. He just turned 25 last week. You know, um, the, the attack are all young. Like it's, they've, they've still got 
they've still got time to come into their prime, I think, um, if they can keep the squad together and just keep building on it. Um, I guess it's just there's the expectation that they're going to compete or or even win a title based on last season. Um, they're showing now that they're I don't, you're only one or two games out of it, you know, and we've seen City have had bad runs this season. Liverpool probably the most consistent of all the teams who have been managing to managing to grind out results when they play badly, whereas City and Arsenal haven't. Um, you know, so I guess you're still in it. But it does get tough from here with with the quality that Liverpool and City have on offer and the lack of depth that Arsenal are showing. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Remo- removing Arteta at this stage is so irrational. Um, why go and start again? Such a young team. You don't want to do up. that. You, yeah, know, no. you know, you don't go and win. Arsene Wenger is one of the greatest managers in Premier League history, and he won three titles in 22 years at Arsenal. You yeah. know, Mikel Arteta, Mikel Arteta doesn't have a season in the last, what, 24 months that isn't a top four finish, and this is going to be another he's, top four finish. He's also, if we talk about the squad and inexperience and not, like, you know, still having years to kind of age and develop, Arteta is also in the same boat, I would say, as a manager. Like he is, he is a, yeah. a fresh manager still, and he's yeah. still learning and finding his way as well. Um, Arsenal are onto something here. They've got something there. They're just, you know, these games are going to happen. They're extremely frustrating. They make me write down notes like pathetic, but you know, it is worth, <laughs> it is worth sticking with and building. It's very, on. It's just um, frustrating. It's very yeah, it Frank, Frank Lampard ish at Chelsea for me. This, this big. No, that's Sarteta gone. He's done. It's the next player oh, yeah. that's come in. It's his first real go as a senior manager. He had a, a, pr- a pretty good first season with Chelsea. Then they had um, a bit of a blip, and and he was just gone. And and where where has that wound Chelsea up? Yeah, I would I would keep in mind that the the Arteta out trending is like, you know, that's that's Twitter bullshit. You know, there's no. I don't think there's anyone seriously saying that that is that should be no. the case. There would um, never be. It's just Twitter noise, which is just apparently part of our world now. Or X. Yeah, I've got to stop dead name. Um, oh, we'll cares. move it on. Spurs. Oh, can we? Back. Can I just? Can oh, I just say up. before we go on though yeah, sure. that that Fulham's first goal was fucking sumptuous. Like oh, that, we love a tap in, don't we? When they're good though, when they're good for yeah. them, like I love Willian, a tap. I love a good tap in. Willian looks like a man revived, like a footballing pensioner, but is really hitting his straps all of a sudden. Uh, Canny, Tom Canny, fucking brilliant. Tom Canny's always ball. been great. What yeah. a great ball that is. I just as well will add that I also love a tap-in, and Sam and I have killed a lot of hours in the last few weeks over different circumstances <laughs> by watching Premier League goal of the month highlights. And if yeah. I see a keeper misplace a pass again and have a professional footballer put the ball into a wide-open fucking goal from inside 40 yards, win a fucking trophy again, I'll probably vomit all over myself. Yeah. <laughs> happens Which would only be the second time this week. They've got them all on Optus Sport. You just search goals of the goal of the season, and then it comes up with the whole Premier League. You did the one hour goals of the season show, and they've got mm. every year from like '99 through to last year's up there. So you can just go watch them all. And yeah, the amount of goals there where they talk, they stop and they interview the player because he scored from halfway when the keeper was not even in the penalty box. It's like, come on, man, he's just he's just hitting a pass in there. How hard can it be for this guy? Give him a break. Yeah. Um. Spurs, big 3-1 win against Bournemouth. I say big because uh, it's important that they keep racking up their points and given their injuries and given that Bournemouth have been in a real purple patch of late. Um, just a just a big win at home for them, I think. Uh, Ange got in a bit of a scuffle. He was getting heated, but three points for Spurs. They're right on the arse of Arsenal now. This was yeah. a dope game, wasn't it? End to end. They did a lot of surviving in this one, Tottenham. Uh, 3-1. I'm not going to say flatters them because they took their chances when they needed to and when they came at the end. But between, but between Pape Sar's goal in the ninth minute and, and Son's second in the 71st, Bournemouth bullied Tottenham for periods of this game. And mm. and on another day, Dom Solanke has has one or two goals in this one. And he, he probably spurned a couple of chances that he'd want back, but double the shots and the same amount of possession and, and some really good chances for Bournemouth. But Credit to Spurs. Bournemouth weren't able to take advantage of these and they found two goals in 10 minutes to kill the game. I, I think to their credit as well, Spurs, I know you sound like Bournemouth had those chances and Slanky on another day might have scored a couple, but I feel like they also defended a lot of Bournemouth's chances as well as well. You know, just getting desperate blocks in, getting enough of a deflection to get it away. Just, you know, uh, I've talked a lot about luck tonight, but sometimes, you know, the game of inches, sometimes it goes away, sometimes it doesn't. And they just did enough to, uh, to mm. get in there and put them off. And I thought that's... 
that's pretty worth uh, worth noting, I think, because we've seen Spurs in the past fall to bits in these situations. That's it. That's why it is such a big win because they haven't been able to grind out games like this in the past, or especially under the Andrang. They've thrown away so many leads and for them to be able to, you know, execute a victory like this after scoring early, I think that's massive for them. And against, like you said, a form team, this hopefully, I mean, hopefully for me, because I love Ange, uh, it propels them for a decent little run here. Although, you know, they're going to be in a bit of trouble. No Sonny. What happens now? Yeah, um, add Richarlison to the list of players that this is a massive month for now with Pedro Neto because he's done brilliantly to come back and score four goals in the three starts he's had since he returned from injury. Um, does this continue and can he help Spurs win games without Hume and Son alongside him? Um, a lot going to fall on the shoulders of Brennan Johnson as well, who's been quite good for them this season. Um, I just wonder who joins those two in the front three for... For Spurs, obviously, it looked like it was going to be Alejo Vilitz, but we do look like he's got a little bit of a significant injury on the weekend and we might not see much of him for the rest of the season. So their depth might come under even more of a question now at the other end of the field. Where's um, Kulisevsky at the moment? He is out for a little bit or...? Um, Kulu, I assume, will be back. I think serving a suspension. He, on the he was a suspension for yellow oh, cards. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so he'll, okay, be, back. So he'll be back. That's a big in. Um Brian Hill, maybe. I don't mind him. I think he's still got a little bit to show. I think you just the more, the more they grab these wins, the more you're just looking and thinking what might have been if you know they'd managed to keep Van der Ven, keep Perisic, keep James Madison. You know, mm, guys yeah. that were t- targeted recruits that were having a real good impact, and they're just missing him. Um, we go on about Spurs injuries every week, but you know they they deserve the credit they get. Um, Liverpool 4, Newcastle 2 is the last game of the round that's been played. Of course, West Ham Brighton play Wednesday morning, which will have been played by the time people hear this. Six goals, um, some penalties, penalties missed, some penalties scored, some dives. Nunez being the best and worst player ever again. Um, Cooper, give us a bit of a run through of this one. Uh, Martin Dubrovka. Wow. Holy shit. Mm. Um, I've been a big fan of this guy for for a really long time, and I thought Solid about Cooper. I thought that he was going to, I really did think he would be a number one at a Premier League club this season, especially given some of the the lack of goalkeeping depth we've seen around this league. I think that potentially there is a few sides in a relegation battle that would credit massively from having a Martin Dubrovka in goal for them. And he could potentially, you know, play games like this and get them points that they probably don't deserve. Um, really, What do you mean like though, Manchester United? Potentially, who knows? They they might be wishing they still had him with with Onana going away for Afcon. So we'll see what happens there. But but no, Liverpool are going to be happy that they got three points here. This was the one that you know in a few years previous we've had opportunities to go. Obviously, lots of people were commenting on our post that Liverpool was still top of the tree. But this is you know now three points clear at the top of the table for Liverpool going into further into January. This is a really big result for them. Yeah, don't mind it. Um, look, it's a it's a huge result, obviously for for the for the pool. Um, were uh, I'm still I can see like weaknesses in this side that can be exploited, and I just I question given City's really soft run throughout January, and the fact that they haven't they're not going to lose anybody to Afcon or the Asian Cup. This seems like the perfect moment where they string six wins together. And they establish themselves as the uh, the Premier League leaders, and then it just becomes impossible for anyone to to come back. We haven't spoken about City, but Haaland should be returning soon. KDB is on his way back. And if you're talking about Liverpool trying to contest a title against them, it's very five points. Maybe I mean City have a game in hand as well. It may not be enough. They're going to lose Endo and Salah. Yeah, I mean Salah's the big one, but like Cooper's been, well, Endo's been Liverpool. crucial. Yeah, that's it. I mean, do you want to talk like, about Ando for a bit? He's been brilliant. We did last week, I think. Oh, like, did you we, do it last week? Yeah, we talked yeah, about a little bit Endo, we talked about Endo last week because I mentioned how he's he's just had a really good month, except for probably the Palace game where he was honking. Mm. Um, yeah. He's he's been really good and crucially, probably the only reliable guy to do that six job at the moment for Liverpool. That's that's fit. Obviously, Thiago Thiago on his way back soon. You'd think they've got Badge Tich. I don't know if he's ready for 
regular Premier League football yet. He's still pretty young yeah. and raw. Um, In and out's not bad though. Yeah, I don't see a lot of I don't see a lot of holes. I think they're just that the, the attack is so deadly. And if you've got VVD holding down a brick wall at the back, if he's in form, um, you know, this side's just so dangerous. I think they're just gonna keep outscoring people. They create mm. so many chances and they've just got so many weapons. Um can you continue yeah. to outscore teams when you've got Darwin up front though? Because I mean, I know you don't like XG, but to have an XG of seven and a half, like seven point five, that's nuts. I mean, no one has ever done that in recorded history, and mm. uh, it's it's bolstered by the two penalties, obviously. But you take them away, that's six, and you've scored three goals from you know six clear goal scoring chances. Essentially, I had this Is it as I had good today. As I was looking and. Nunes, some of the chances he had that were just like, he was so unlucky. Debravka's pulled shit out of his eyes. So it's, you know, there's, the ball has been absolutely smashed at him and he's got a knee on it towards goal and it's hit Debravka. Or, and then if you look at the goal Gakpo scores coming off the bench, it's like... <laughs> it was ridiculous. Eh? Where is, why isn't Darwin Nunes getting that sort of luck? Gakpo <laughs> comes on and gets that sort of goal. Um yeah, but no, it's a it's a whole it's a whole season thing though because Darwin has missed the most yeah, big chances of any player in the it league. Is. Yeah, we've done it to death. But like, mm. it's he's a player. It's there. It's going to come. And if not, they've got Jota back now anyway, and he's starting. Like, well, he can start games and come in and play that position as well. So like, they've got they've mm. just got plenty of weapons. They'll probably they might hurt not having Salah, but they've got some depth there. I think they'll be fine. Um, I think they've definitely got all the tools to attack City as well. City's so vulnerable at the back when they lose the ball on transition. And that is exactly what this Liverpool side excels at, is that transition quickly going forward on the counter with pace, with the wingers, the midfield, everyone just dashing up. So what's this space? Uh, Mo Salah, speaking of, 150 Premier League goals for Liverpool, celebrated with a, a, couple of, a nice celebration sitting on the fence. He missed a penalty. Uh, but he still got there in the end. Darwin setting him up with the goal, the first one, and then scoring the second penalty. Uh, what? Where does this guy rank for you, Cooper, as a Liverpool fan, as like all-time kind of footballers? Is he like your? Is he like as, Thierry Henry is to me? As a a younger Liverpool supporter, uh, being I I missed a lot of Liverpool's glory generations, as you will. Um, he glory. is besides. Uh, Besides, Sevens. obviously, growing up with with Stevie G, uh, yeah. Mo Salah is the guy for me, and I think for a lot of people yeah. my age and younger, he's the best we've seen wear a Liverpool shirt in in our generation, and potentially the best Premier League winger of all time. I saw a lot of discussion about that yeah. today. He, he potentially has Ronaldo Ronaldo stint in the Premier League covered, and at this point, he potentially has Eden Hazard covered as well. Um, obviously up in the air discussion, all great players, but he's, I think the most important thing is noting that he's in definitely in that conversation. And that sums up well, how good he is. Yeah. I love a bit of Mo Salah. I think he's been brilliant and he's so fun to watch. He's so consistent. It just always output, output, output with the guy. And like, I really love two of the Liverpool goals in this game. Just, you know, the cute little cutbacks to square it up and sweat it in the back of the net. You said in the chat earlier, Coop, about um, Jota having a goal bonus in it, and yet he's still happy enough to just dish one off to make sure that the, the goal is scored, which is something that Sterling didn't do a couple of weeks ago. That's the difference between a side that is playing for each other and willing to try and win a title versus individuals trying to assert themselves in the footballing sphere. The the huge tick on that note that I have there is actually the the first goal we score in this game. Mo Salah assisted by Darwin Nunez, who did exactly the same thing. Now, Darwin is a guy that with the amount of people on his back and the pressure he's been under is desperate for a goal. And as a striker, once you get that ball from Diaz, he is in all of his absolute every right to try and hit this across the keeper and score. And we've seen him score like that too. But he has played this to Salah and and Liverpool have got the goal they've needed. And that is now Darwin's 10th assist directly to Mohamed Salah in all competitions for Liverpool this season. And that's so important. That's so important. It's like Sun Kane vibes. It's so, it's just, it's that understanding and like the trust they have in one another, I think. Because I think in in the back of Darwin's mind, he's like, well, if Mo was in a similar situation and I was, if we like swap positions, he would feed me the ball as well. And like, that's so important to have in a front three. Cause if you get the differing, you know, mentalities or the guys that don't really want to gel and play with each other, you're never going to score those kind of goals. And they're, they're the easiest goals. That's, that's like how football is played these days. You cut defenses apart and you just have them in. So by all means, are we going to 
we're going to talk about the the Jossa penalty, or we're just going to let that one. The, jo- the Jota dive. Mm. Cooper doesn't think it's a dive. Mm. He's nodding though. Yeah, well, I, I get the perspective you're making, and we said in the group chat this morning when there were people talking about it being a dive that I get the the point they're making too. What Tom, Tom actually said that he thought my point was an interesting. Uh, conversation, sorry, discussion topic earlier is that to me, a dive is when someone tries to create something out of nothing when there is no foul and there is no contact and a forward simulates an incident that doesn't exist and tries to win a foul or a penalty. In this situation, he hasn't done that. And the one I want to run you back to, Sam, and I was going to bring it up earlier, but I thought I'd leave it, is I think Arsenal weren't given a stonewall penalty in their game against West Ham on the Saturday fixture that we watched together. When Jesus fainted his way into the box, I think it was Aguerd, the West Ham defender, he lunges sideways and sticks his leg out. And then Jesus knocks the ball around him and goes to run through the space that he's lunged into and goes down under contact and no penalties Mm -hmm. given because the argument is Aguerd's put his leg there and Jesus has run into his leg. But to me, you can't just dump a body part in that space, right? You can't just lunge and fill that space and, unless you're going to win the and, ball and, and foul a guy that's what i mean you if yeah. you're going to make a challenge you have to win the guy win the ball not take the man and it doesn't matter how minuscule the contact is if you foul a guy if you make enough contact to bring someone down in a scenario it doesn't matter what he does from then on in it doesn't matter if jesus does 10 backflips or or jota grabs the phone and rings his father like i think it does matter i, I disagree it's I embarrassingly disagree it should matter you don't think it should? Like, it has to matter. It's embarrassing. Is do you think there was enough contact there for him to go down? Absolutely, there was. No, come 100% on, man. You can see this bloke rides tackles yeah. all day, and then from this, that he I keeps just, running. The ball gets further away, so he just drops to the floor. But it, 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 it doesn't. The ball does not get further away from him. That's what I don't understand. The point people are making in this situation: if he stays on his feet, he scores a tap in. Right? Why this didn't is he? A striker because he was brought down by he a goalkeeper. Who down, found him. Well, he was. And the funny thing is, we've got fucking idiots like you making comments saying that this isn't a foul, this isn't a penalty. But the goalkeeper goes in his post-match press conference, admits that he makes contact, and says it's a penalty. And, yeah. and no one else, no one else can jump on I, this. I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that there wasn't contact. There was contact, sure. The dude's mm. still running. He's running still. He is, There's no. It has is, not if, made him fall the way that he falls. There is no way that you can say that that contact caused. If that contact clips him in that heel and he falls forward or whatever, he's the way it happens. Up, he takes another step and then decides he's going like. The ball is in front of him. I think Jota in the split second has gone, oh, fuck, maybe I'm not going to get to this and be able to hook it around with my left foot. And also the defenders are also getting back towards the line. It'll be easier if I just get a pen here. And he goes down. No, that's a, I'm less interested. The... I'm not so interested in the argument about whether it's a pen or not. Like if it's a mm. pen, it's a pen. Like there's, if there's contact there, pen, sure, whatever. But I think I think so much is being I made. I still of... think he is people, embellished people it's saying... so bad and it's horrible. He... People saying that he's taken multiple strides, right, after this. And and I made a point before and 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 Tommy, you saw you sort of saw what I was trying to say that people are thinking that there is contact on Jota in this situation when Dubrovka sticks his hand out and brushes him with a glove. Mm. But there's not. Yeah. That's not the foul in this situation. The foul mm-hmm. is when Dubrovka then rolls and his elbow lands through the back of Jota's right foot, right? Yeah. And that happens while Jota's right foot is midair. Jota then plants his right foot and he goes down when his left foot touches the ground. It's one stride max, one stride, one and a half strides max, right? And you They're can big strides, whether, whether in your head, yeah, he is, he's taking, he's he taking comfortably big steps, right? that left He foot. is taking big steps trying <laughs> to get to this ball, right? And yeah. I think the reality of this situation is when a, a, a striker goes through on goal, rounds the keeper, is fouled, he has, you know, he's fouled while his right foot's in the air, he's half planted his right foot while falling over and then planted his left foot, he is completely allowed to try and keep his balance. Would you rather him just throw himself to the ground instantly when he feels contact? Or would you rather a striker try and, like you said before, like you said before, try and ride the challenge, plant his left foot, see if he can get himself in a scenario where he can get to the ball and score and then go down under the contact? Or would you rather him just flop instantly? Because I just, I I, I don't like whether people want to think that this is wild simulation or not, or people want to hate on the incidents of this in the past that's happened or not. I don't understand why we're so 
blemishing on strikers and forwards that are blatantly being fouled in these situations blatantly. rather than just yeah absolutely this is you if you are a striker you've been a striker before yeah. in games sam if you round a goalkeeper and he lands on the back of your right heel and you don't score and you don't get a penalty you're going to get up and give the referee you, the biggest you, sorry no 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 no, 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 no 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 you think Dubravka lands on his on the back of his foot lands on Come on, man. Don't watch he is, going, no, he is rolling over. There's no going chance down, he does. His left elbow is, does. Does his left elbow there's, come down? He can't on land on his heel because he does his, I know. Does he if roll that's, onto if the that's on the halfway line and he beats the fullback and gets a little bit of that contact, he is staying on his feet and running off with the ball. He is. Yeah, but this is just, different. Come on, man. Okay, why are you moving the goalposts? This is what goalposts am I moving? Because this is where scoring. I draw the line. Draw, he can let's stay on draw his feet. Continue, he can stay on his feet and continue running towards the wing from the halfway line if he want to. Because he's not coughing up a wide open fucking goal if no, he makes well, that decision. The goalpost I'm moving is that it's in the box. It's in the box, so he knows he can get a penalty for it. In no, the he knows of the park. that he's in the he middle of the that park. He's, he's, he knows the that he's unfairly, he can keep running. He knows that he's been fouled and that he's unfairly had the opportunity <laughs> to score a goal taken away from him. That doesn't happen on so the So he went down line. because, like you said, he knows but that. This is what so I'm, he's gone this down. Is like, the whole entire point that I'm making is he is completely in his right to go down. This oh, is not so a you're dive. advocating no, diving. No, I'm not. This, this is not a dive. This is what I said it, before. Well, it is a dive not because a dive. the the initial contact doesn't force him to the ground. He decides to throw himself to the ground because he doesn't think he's in a reasonable opportunity to score a goal. I just I, I understand what it. you're saying. People We've are all played come, sport. People, we can all people, see are gonna, like... people are going to come for me and they're going to say that, you know what, <laughs> this, we've all played sport. We can all see it. Sam, you haven't ran one eighteenth of the pace that Diogo Jota was running in, this <laughs> in your fucking life. I don't care if you're on fucking heroin, ketamine, and meth combined. You've never got near that pace. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, we just, ah, oh, I just, I advocate. People are going to come for me and say you're on this because it's Liverpool, Good. but I've said it on here before and I'll say it again. When you foul a guy and you go down under contact, I don't give a shit. It's not a dive. The, the problem we, the, the, the problem we have now is with the introduction of VAR is that we have now delineated this idea of the, the slightest bit of contact equals foul, which you brought up like earlier that um, uh, di- diving has always happened and it will always happen, but diving has not always happened because there was never the reward that we see today for a player to do what Jota did. So it's, it's irrespective to me whether or not um, the contact equals a penalty. If because I it probably it's... does. It, 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 yeah, in, in today's in today's game, the contact does equal a penalty. But the idea that we're now going to reward players for essentially having a double chance at it because what Dubravka does doesn't make him fall to the ground, but he does make contact with him. But whether or not, yeah, I mean, this is where we fall now is, is that enough to award a penalty in the situation of the game? And if Jossa wants to go to the ground like that after taking a couple of steps because he doesn't think he can score in the open goal, that's on him. But I don't think that we should be giving that a penalty or rewarding a player for doing so. Cause I don't think there's enough contact as it is to warrant a penalty. Uh, Cooper thinks the goalkeeper landed on his leg though. <laughs> well, he, there's one, on, there's you one good the camera. To make there. I know. Yeah, the there's one. Can I move it to a different scenario? Um, hmm. A player, you know, when players put their heads together, if uh, someone's head butted, I'm using the quotation mark, head butted someone. Do they have the right then, because there's contact, they have a right to go down and roll around 18 times and what did you say before, phone his mum and all sorts of shit? Because there's, there's contact. You're allowed to just go down and flail about embarrassingly. Yes? No. I mean, this, Shaking I mean, his head, be... no. So, so you... Well, which is it, Cooper? Come on, man. Yeah, stick your arms out. Wait. It's just a beyond ridiculous comparison, comparison and you know that. You know that it's not that. what it is. Not really, because we're talking about minuscule contact equaling fouls, penalties, red cards. That's the exact point. Yeah. Is this? Do we want to get to a point in, in professional football where a player goes through one-on-one with a goalkeeper, goes around him, and the goalkeeper is allowed to, whether it is contact enough, enough to bring him down, because then, right, we get to a point again where this becomes one of those things that's subjective. We go, hold on. 
Dubrovka reached out at this guy who was around him to score an open goal and there was contact or, but was there enough contact to bring him down? One referee is going to think there is one referee is going to think we didn't, you know, every week, every, every week. Well, I disagree. It really is that way, though. No, I, I, I would love you to find an example for me of anywhere in the last five to six years where a player has rounded a goalkeeper through on goal, taken contact, and not been given a penalty for it. In the VAR era, that would not exist because it's the exact point that Tom is making when a player goes round a keeper in this situation, whether the contact is minuscule enough, whether it's enough to bring him down or not, it doesn't matter because if he goes round him, he makes contact, it's given a penalty every single time in this era. Well, I don't think it's... I don't think it's fair to just look at his goalkeeper because if that happens in the middle of the park, most referees probably aren't given it. Yeah, but we so know that that's, that's different. We know again. we know a million times that that's not how the game's officiated. I don't. Th- we've said this. We we had this argument talking about a different incident on the podcast the other week where we say, oh, if it's outside the box, he doesn't give it. It's inside. If it's sorry, if it's outside the box, he's giving a foul. But if it's inside the box, he's not giving us a penalty. But you can't compare those instances because they are different things. Because we know that officials don't officiate the game that way. I can and I will, and I'll say it's a jot of dive and we'll move on. Um, do you have anything else pe- <laughs> related? This is why I think penalty corners are a great idea. Penalty corners would be great, like field hockey style. Do they have to wear masks and stuff too? Oh, that would be dope. Actually, that would be fucking time. hilarious. The Premier League would have half an hour of extra time. Um, a quick little run through of Serie A just before we finish off, because Napoli were held nil all by Monza and the defending champions are now eighth. Eighth in the league after winning it last season. They're having a disaster. Milan had a win thanks to a Pulisic goal. Juve beat Roma in a big clash in Turin. Uh, who scored the goal on that one? Adrian Rabio scored the goal on that one. If anyone remembers him, he's still getting about mm. it, Juve. Um, but I think what's most noticeable here that I wanted to mention was Inter were held to a one-all draw away to Genoa. And Genoa are sitting, where are they? They're down in 12. Mid somewhere. Um Inter, obviously, top of the league. They've now been pinned back. They're two points ahead of Juve. But what I loved is this game was so... It was a great watch, um, end-to-end. And what I loved is Genoa against the top side, sitting at one all at home. Um, They took off their left fullback for a left winger with 10 to go to chase the game. They kept trying to chase. They put made attacking substitutions, kept going at them. They weren't happy to just sit and park the bus against a much better side. So I, I thought that was worth mentioning. Um, perhaps Ballsy. into missing, missing Lataro just a little in this one. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Missing Lataro. Um, and it just, it just maybe lacked a little bit up front with Arnautovic there. It seems a weird move for Marco Arnautovic to be like, a starting striker for Inter who are top of the league. But uh, there you have it. If you want to take the risk on a player like Marco and get a tune out of him, by all means, like mm. he will reap reward. But Jesus Christ, I can only imagine the dressing room with that guy when things don't go well. He's not He's <laughs> not the kind of person I want to be sitting next to in the changing room. We scored um, the goal for him on the weekend. He did. Well, fucking all credit to him. If, Like I said, if you can get a tune out of him, by all means. Uh, I looked at France this week, and yeah, PSG are winning. Aren't they on a break? (laughs) They are. They even play? PSG are still winning, though. They're still winning. That's what I mean. I had a look. doesn't mean any games were played. Brilliant. All right, we might wrap it there. It's been a long one. Um, We're going to stick around, record it. Red edition. Adelaide went to Melbourne and lost 2-0 to the victory. So we're going to have a chat about that and what what we do going forward because we've got a home game coming up too. Keep an eye on the feed, keep an eye on the social media, tell your friends, invite them along for the ride, and we'll see you next week. Bye.